Hello and welcome to episode 259 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. And joining me as always is the Wired League Freak. You can find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm good. It's uh, We're recording at 10pm at night. It's exactly 9 past 10 at night. And I'm doing so much coke. Yeah, I've I heard... Yeah, I had cherry coke before, and now I've moved to the regular coke because I don't drink too much cherry coke because it's like it's got a high fructose corn syrup in it instead yeah. of sugar. Because I'm over and Yeah, that stuff. The high high fructose corn syrup is really, really, really bad for you. Yeah, I've I've heard um, Michael Gordon told me the same thing actually. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, speaking of mate, we we are not going to waste time here. We're going to hook into this. Okay. Young Panthers player Brent Naden has been stood down by the NRL um, after having a what was it a positive test for a substance. He he's he has a positive aid sample for metabolites of cocaine, which were registered in a post game test that was conducted by the Sports Integrity Australia after the grand final. This right. this fucking guy in the biggest game of his life in the biggest game for the club since 2003 is allegedly going into the game on Coke. As you do. Yeah. I mean, at least Ben Barber had the forethought to do it after the grand final. Yep. Yep. I can't believe it. I can't believe someone could be so fucking stupid. I can't believe that somebody that was struggling to hold their place in the side ahead of Tyrone May, who shouldn't be at the club anyway, and is a fringe first grader himself, would be so stupid as to take a risk like this leading into the biggest game of his career. And now he's going to have to sit in the sideline for two years and think about it. Fucking, I, I hope that he's sacked immediately upon this. I hope that his papers are marked never, ever, ever to be part of the club or any function or anything involving the club ever again. What had happened if they had have won the grand final and this test come back positive? Mm, exactly. Um, that's one of the few times when you can actually sit there and say, thank God we didn't win. Yeah. I don't know what happens if, like... If I, it's I, just one I, player, I dare say they, they wouldn't be taking the title off you. It was just one player. But um, you certainly don't want to be dealing with that hanging over your head for the rest of your life. No, definitely not. Uh I, I just can't believe it. How fucking stupid do you have to be? Like, you're playing a sports game for a living. And, you know, Naden is a young person. He's 24. And, you know, his career is it's at a crossroads where he can either kick on and become something pretty damn special or he can just be forgotten. Well, now he won't be forgotten because people say, remember that, that Naden kid? who was doing cocaine leading into the grand final. What a fucking idiot. It's up there with uh, the Bronson Cherry debacle, really. You know, a young bloke with God knows how big a contract right before him. Mm-hmm. Um, everything at your feet. Had a great season and pissed up the wall for what? No, it's crazy that players, not just in rugby league, but in professional sport else, everywhere, think that they can get away with doing this. Some might, but the percentage wouldn't be high. Well, one of the reasons that you hear about cocaine use a lot, 
with athletes that get pinged for it anyway is because the cocaine gets out of your system super quickly. I think it's something like 48 hours that leaves your system. And so you've basically have got to have been doing it very, very soon, you know, before you were, you were tested for it. And that's the problem here. You know, if he's done a post game test and he's still got cocaine in his system, like I saw somebody on Twitter say, it's not a performance enhancing drug. I tell you what, a player that's on coke could probably make 78 tackles in a game. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I'm not willing to say it's it's definitely a performance-enhancing drug, but it's got to be pretty damn close. Exactly. I mean, it gets the old heart rate up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's always going to be good for the old adrenaline. Ugh. So dumb. It's so, mad, man. So stupid. Like... Can can you think of anybody? I know we've seen players that have taken drugs, and and you mentioned Brunch and Sherry. I guess it's a grand final between him and Naden at this stage as to who was the dumbest. Because like well, Sherry was on TV saying, oh, "I'm faster than ever. I've been working really hard." And it turns out, yeah, that's why. I'd say Sherry's probably worse because what he did is he he used something so old and easy to find. Mm-hmm. That's what makes him so stupid. Like, Naden was at least trying to do something that he could get away with if he doesn't get tested for three days. But can you imagine the mindset? Like, I know just how I felt as a supporter going into the grand final, right? Mm. Can you imagine the mindset of an, a player that they're thinking, you know what, I'll just do a little bit of cocaine. I know the game is a couple of days away, but I'll just do a little bit of cocaine, you know? Yeah. I just I can't put my brain in that situation where I would even be thinking that. Like I'm not a drug user, it's not my sort of thing, but I just can't imagine that you could be that I don't know, careless or reckless or I don't know the word for it. Well, it's it's selfishness. Yeah. Because you you're completely ignoring everything that your your team wants you to do. Mm-hmm. You're just doing entirely what you want to do. Yeah. And that's not that that's the problem with it. That's the thing I hate the most about it. It's selfishness. And you know, you've seen over the last and this goes back towards the end of the season where you heard the club saying, Oh, he's got, you know, he's got a few issues and all you gotta, you know, feel sorry for him and stuff. I don't give a shit about any of that. I could care less. You know, I'm not gonna fucking weep over some professional athlete that couldn't allegedly stop doing coke leading into the grand final. Fuck that. I've got more important people to worry about and be upset about than some fucking idiot like that. Like Trent Barrett? Well, he's got those dreamy eyes. I mean, oh, who doesn't does. stop thinking about them? It's hard not to. Mm. I, I, I had to bring him up just to sort of calm you down a bit. You just think of Barrett's. T-Baz's, friend, you know, lovely eyes and... No, you just get lost in them. You just go to another world, don't you? You really do. You know, uh, now that we've got got you warmed up and that's out of the system. Yep, yep. What's next in the news world? Oh, that's right. There was a story today that David Nofaluma could be going to Parramatta. Could be. Um, yep. And when you when you read the actual article and the quotes in there, um, it's pretty clear that he's not making any intentions of leaving the West Tigers. What he's doing is he's seeing how much he'd be worth to other clubs as part yes. of his negotiation with the West Tigers, like 
every other NRL player does. Yeah, yeah. But because the Tigers have had a bit of player churn, and Josh Alloway recently just left for, for Manly, mm-hmm. the media's just decided that there's something rotten at the Tigers because a player left. Mm. So let's start th- leaking every single player with discontent and they all want to leave. That's yeah. how this shit works. And it's fucking immature more than anything. Yeah, like, like to, to say... It's weird how they'll be like, oh, something's rotten at this club or something's rotten at that club. And it always comes back to, like, it's just a poorly run club. Like, it's just incompetence. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. But, I mean, also a lot of the times it's just the media trying to create a story because they don't have anything or they're not good at journalism. Well, like, remember at one point during the year, the Panthers weren't that good. Mm -hmm. But then they win 17 games in a row and they make the grand final and a, a switch flicked. And it was like, they won't be able to hold on to all these players. And yeah. it's like, well, you know, pick and stick, man. That's right. Actually, something I'd raise about the, the whole Nate thing. If he is found um, to have tested positive to, to drugs and he gets a suspension. Yeah. Does Penrith try and hang on to Josh Mansell? Um, I don't think so. I don't think so because they've got To'o and uh, who's the young Staines, that's it. And and they've got them signed up. Um, I think that they would be looking for a centre. I, I think that they, I, you know, Nathan was always best at centre, very strong uh, through, his, through his career away. Great stuff. Mm. They had Tyrone May that they kept on putting in there later in the season. Uh, looking back at it retroactively, it's um, it might have just been if the club knew something was going on. First of all, they shouldn't have had Nathan anywhere near the team, but I can see where they would put May in because he was just an easy move to put into the centres. But I think that they'd be looking for another centre. But the thing is too that look at Penrith, they might have two or three centres that we don't even know the name of that would, you know, this time last year we weren't weren't talking about Stephen Crichton, for instance. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. I'll tell you we'll what, see mate. how that works out. There's there's a bit of drama at the West Tigers. Yeah. Players one out. Yeah. There's talk that um, James Tamo will be captain. It's in his contract. Mm-hmm. Mate, I'll put my journalist hat on here. Yeah. I reckon Moses and Bar might be a bit pissed off and he wants out of the club. You fucker, you just played the long game on me, didn't you? I, I have. You fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know. I'm still walking into this trap. You still are, man. It's fucking lovely, though. <laughs> you See, that's the thing, bitch. I'm, I'm always trying to find a way to get rid of him. Yeah. I had no idea. <laughs> so you start off with a legitimate question. Yeah. And then you just sort of, yeah. Yeah, you just walk someone down the garden path, and then they walk out the room, and they look down in the hands, and they're like, did I just fucking sign... <laughs> what the fuck just happened? I got him for one point one million a year too. Yeah. <laughs> what? Hang on. <laughs> what are you? We've been swindled again. Now, you, look um, down, you look down and it's like, what's my, why am I getting unanswered calls from the chairman and three of the board members? I don't get this. Wait a minute. What's this in my other hand? Holy shit! <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, 
I did have a conversation on Twitter today with yeah. uh, esteemed rugby league journalist Danny Widler. Okay. He made a tweet and he said, uh, developing in capital letters. Yeah. The Panthers have confirmed to me Brent Naden was drug tested by Sport Integrity Australia at the NRL Grand Final. Days later, he went into a rehab clinic to deal with, in quotation marks, personal issues. Yes. No link has been confirmed between the events to Nine News or the NRL on Nine. Yes. And I basically just said, um, Juno links two stories and says they aren't linked. You've now alluded to something despite saying they aren't linked. Yeah. Irresponsible. Yeah. I didn't attack him and, and call him names or shit like that. I was just talking about his work. Yep. And uh, he, he gave me a very condescending response. A journalist was condescending? I can't I, believe that. I, I, well, I must admit, I didn't think I was going to get a response. Yeah. But because I was directly talking about his work and not attacking him, I thought yeah. I may have been able to lead him down that path, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he said... Andrew, we have to work within legal parameters. You have no idea about the job I do. Yeah, Andrew, you got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> they all think they're so special, don't they? Oh my goodness! It's so it's so mysterious. You fucking ambulance chaser. <laughs> the only thing that's disappointing about that comment is he didn't put a champ in there. Yeah, I, I. I I think he it would have had more impact if he had a if he had a champ me at the end. Um, and I said to him, "It's not about the story. This is where you've clearly linked two stories, which you know people will assume are linked, irrespective of whether you say they are or they aren't. It's how rumors start. If two things aren't linked, don't link them." Yeah, and this is all, all you know right now. This has got nothing to do with whether the the story about Maiden is true or not. Mm-hmm. This is about being a responsible journalist yeah yeah right report the fact and as i said to him if you if you know the the, the story for fact report that if you yeah. don't know it or in regards to something you replied to that which was along the lines of you know being sued or what, whatnot else if you don't know the facts or if you're worried about being sued which is fair enough then don't report anything it's that yeah. simple you know and he's trying the, to do both yeah and and look I guess when you're going into that, to non-football related stuff, it does go down a legal pathway. There's the possibility of legal issues. And these media organisations, they they write it off as the, the cost of doing work. Like how many um, people already had a lot of money have taken media organisations to court in Australia and, and won defamation suits against them and it's just the cost of doing business for them they pay the money and they move on um the only the only rugby league journal i can think of that and they only talk about football that has has said like this is happening and they'll get pushed back from a club or a, a coach or a player is uh and they'll stand by this story is rugby league week mole not that rugby league weeks around but mole you know yeah and and he'll be like Look, I, I've said my piece. I, I think that you're moving to this club. I know you're denying it, but I'm standing by it. And the vast majority of the time, he is 100% spot on. Um, you know, and there's sometimes the circumstances change and a player might not move clubs. That happens from time to time. But but Moley's really the only one that'll say, look, this is on and I'm standing by it, even while everyone attacks me. 
Um, whereas Widler, someone like Widler, he does a lot of that. I, I, it's just stuff I don't care about, well, like that off the he, field he t- shit. He has two bob each way. Yeah. He does that all the time. Yeah. So that way he's always correct. Even when he's basically wrong, he's put a bob down either side, so he can't be officially completely 100% wrong. Mm. He's, dib- he's dabbed his toe in both sides of the pool. Yeah. And it's what it is. It's cowardly. Like, if you're going to be an opinion writer on anything, mm-hmm. you have to pick a side, go down that side, and stand by it. Yeah. And too many of these journos now, they'll, they'll put out an opinion piece. They'll stand by it. But as soon as they get some criticism or someone, you know, very calmly raises a counter-argument, mm-hmm. block. Yeah. Man, it's so immature. I've seen a lot of people saying that, that they, they get blocked really quickly if they just ask. Even if they question something that I, I've heard Phil Gould's bad for that. Um, oh, yeah. I, I don't know about Widler. There's somebody else that's really bad oh, for it. I can't remember who. Widler is known for I've I'm not blocked by him, obviously. Um, and that's because I've I've had plenty of arguments with him, but I've yeah. never, ever abused him. Yeah. So I reckon he's probably waiting for that to happen so he can justify blocking me. But I, yeah. I don't give him that satisfaction. Um, so I end up having an argument with him instead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the News Limited guys, they just block straight away. Yeah. Um, and that's just gutless. But back, stick to your opinion. And they're scared of, scared of saying they've got something wrong. I don't know why. That's I weird. say it all the time. It's just words. I mean, I've... I've I had a fuck up a couple of weeks ago on Twitter there and I had to go at the Tigers over something and realized I got it wrong. So I left it there and I said, I got it wrong. Yeah. And I'm still here. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I I always worry about people that that I, I really worry about people that can't say the words. I don't know. Have you ever been around somebody that's like, they clearly don't know what they're talking about. Or, like, it can be something really simple, like, uh, do you know what time this shop opens? And they'll say, well, you know what? I'm pretty sure it opens around 8.30 in the morning, and if you get down there and stuff, and it's like, no, no, do you know what time it opens? And they'll be like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's... It's like, no, you don't, do you? Just say I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's like... And, and there's... So I always worry about people... That, they, they, can't, they can't say the words, I don't know, because if you don't say, I don't know, the next step is to educate yourself on stuff. So it means they're not educating themselves. The other thing is, if you're wrong, it's okay to be wrong, you know? Yeah, Yeah. there's never been a single human that's been right about everything every single day of their life. Oh, I'm sitting right here, dude. No, you're right. You're right. (laughs) It's, uh, and it's crazy because some of these people, like, you sort of, you hit a brick wall with them where it's like, oh, you you can't say the words, can you? It's really weird when you run into people like that. I think they're scared that if they admit to doing something wrong, then their reputation's ruined. But I don't think they realise that it actually works the other way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, people will trust and respect someone more if they admit that they got something wrong mm-hmm. or if they did something wrong. Yeah. But people who just lie through their teeth just to protect their own fucking ego. Mm-hmm. As you'll see from pretty much... Any tweet that Danny Widler makes, there are people following him around, abusing him. Mm. And 
more often than not, some of the stuff you'll be tweeting is perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, but people just abuse him anyway. That's because there's no respect in this industry. And I said to him on there that I would respect a journalist who does their job properly. Yeah. And um, I, I, any day over anyone who tries to give me a breaking story before anybody else. Because oh, we're all going to find out anyway. Yeah, yeah. So what's being first achieving? Mm. Achieves nothing, especially if you break the story first and get something wrong in it. <clears throat> yep. No one's going to respect that. And regarding Mole, um, I, I don't, I don't mind him. Yeah. I think the thing I, I respect the most about him is he's got a thick skin on him. So yeah, if people yeah. go there and abuse him, he'll he won't sit there and block everyone like crazy. No. He'll can you know, he'll argue with a few. He'll have a conversation to sort of justify himself, but that's about it. But he's not he's not one of those thin skinned people like these other news limited guys. They're hopeless. Yeah. I look I I I talked about it before. I I blocked six hundred and something journalists on my Twitter. Because uh, that just it clears up your Twitter really quickly, but there's a handful that like uh, Craig Nuremberg's. Uh, I yep. follow him. He's always he's actually seems like a really cool dude. Actually, we've got, we've got to get him on the podcast. We do. Um, yeah, he's a good bloke. Moley, I, I've always enjoyed his work, even going back to when I was younger. And uh, you know, it, obviously we've had him in the podcast. He was awesome to talk with, and yeah, I, I just think he's really good. And as I say, he. He, he's he, he's like a human being, you know, <laughs> and so he's he's awesome. I love Molly. Um, and look, there's there's others, you know. Steve Mascord for me is another one I like. Yeah, yeah, Steve Mascord. Um, we should get him on the podcast, eh? Yeah. We and the get... good thing is, there's a lot of um, a lot of people who are now doing a lot of reporting on games around yeah. the world who aren't actually hired by mainstream media. Yeah, yeah. And so if you can find them, you're not going to agree with everything they say, but the thing is they're out there busting their backside to try and get you the story. Mm-hmm. And that's the main thing. Like Steve Maskell was the only person who went along to the uh, the first game played by the Philippines yeah, against Thailand. And if he hadn't have made the effort to pay for himself to go there and watch it and report it, no one would know what happened in that game. Mm-hmm. And that's the sort of thing that we all need to be um, promoting and and being thankful for and helping out wherever we can. Um, That's why it's important to look after independent journalists. doesn't matter what field it's in. Those guys tend to be the ones going somewhere and and reporting on the real stories or the the stories that would otherwise be forgotten because mainstream media can't be asked. Yeah, it makes you wonder, like, and I've I've got the feeling from time to times there's been, like, a, a thought amongst some of these independent journalists who have stepped away from the mainstream aspect of media that there could be a, a pathway where there's a setup for all of them where like you set up a magazine or something i don't know i don't know we set up a website and every so often you'll see a website started up and but it just never seems to grab momentum and and i think it's because you need the right mindset going in and it has to be truly independent, and everyone needs to be pulling in the right direction, and you need the right sort of people involved in it. And there, there's so many moving parts with making a website or a, a you know, a independent. Uh, I, I don't want to say organization, but even like our podcast, like we kind of lucked out in that 
we get on super well, which we didn't know that when we started the podcast. Yeah, that was a fluke. Yeah, yeah, complete fluke. Like, so many things fluked out with this podcast starting up, how it started up, and that it just worked off the, you know, off the, the first day. Um, and so it's so difficult to get going. But, yeah, I, I've seen it sometimes every so often where it's like you see a former journalist be like, oh, you know, we should do this or this would be great. And there's never that that uh, collective pull to make it happen. Yeah, I think the big problem, too, is trying to get sponsors on board for something that's, you know, when it comes to independent stuff, mm-hmm. it's less less concrete on, on its future. So sponsors yeah. are less inclined to pour money into it. Yeah. Um, plus, it's not getting as many eyes on it, so they're less inclined to spend much money on it either because of that. So it's always a bit of a problem, that. But, uh, yeah, I think as more and more people get disenfranchised with the mainstream media, there's going to be more and more people looking for that independent stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think there's a future there. When? I don't know, but I think there's a future for it there. Enough people start getting involved and want to do it. Yeah, I I just wonder what it will look like because I don't really know what it would look like. The thing that I don't understand with a lot of these uh, journalists that step away from mainstream journalism is why they don't immediately start a website of their own and why they don't immediately start a podcast of their own and start producing content themselves. And I have a feeling it's because of their background is that you only produce that when you're getting a paycheck in return. But for me, it's an investment in yourself going forward. And I'm I'm saying this from an outsider looking at, at these people, like it's not something that has anything to do with me, but it always surprises me that they don't start something themselves. And yeah. I'm not saying whether it would work for them or not, because let's face it, with a lot of them, it's not going to work. But for some of them, it might. No, I agree. I think someone like Steve Mascord, who has been around the media game for a long time, um, he is doing a podcast. He's, he does have websites and stuff like that. He's um, almost finished his second book. Mm-hmm. And his second book is going to be one that we're all going to want to read because it's about the Super League War. <clears throat> yeah. And he was a journalist reporting it at the time from back in early 1990 before it all started. So he got the whole build-up to it and the war itself and the aftermath. So, mm-hmm. um, And it won't be coming from a news-limited mindset, which was what that Mike Coleman book was when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> Did anyone um, read that? I don't know. I've, I've been trying to find a copy of it because I want to find out at least that side of the story. Yeah. Um, but I can't find a copy of it anywhere. I think that probably says a lot. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much that part of the stuff done. Now, you did find something on Twitter. Well, maybe I did. You did, but then I brought it back up before you we did. started. Well, before. you came up with a brilliant idea. Yeah. People know that we've done Ask Kenty an awful lot. People also know that Ask Kenty is no longer going on because NL360 is probably finished. Who knows? Mm. I mean, we haven't watched it all year. Yeah. What are we talking about, 2017 here or what? That's right. Um, but today on Twitter, oh, glorious Twitter. Oh, it's so beautiful. Really the, West, the West Tigers Twitter account comes out and they said, welcome to hashtag ask the boss. Drop us a question for next week's episode with Justin Potato. So it, It's exciting. 
we're going to enter the hashtag ask the boss questions. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Should we? Because there were replies. I don't know if they were all replies. Let's have a look. Um, yeah, let's let's stick to the replies because I guess outside of the replies, it goes into all sorts of different sports. So, yeah. All righty. First one comes from... Uh, in Can I read anyway. the first one? Yeah, go for it. The first one, uh, it comes from a respected rugby league historian, a rugby league statistician, uh, very famous podcaster, and just a good all-round knife smith in uh, Andrew <laughs> Ferguson. It's at Andrew RLP. He says, and this was brilliant, by the way, this was just, this was godly. How can teams with test and origin stars use the same amount of cap space as the Tigers? Are we overpaying players? Are they all better at managing their cap than the Tigers? Or are they cheating the cap? (laughs) No wiggle room. No wiggle room. (laughs) (laughs) I thought if I be be nice about it and frame it like a serious question. Mm Mm-hmm but put him in a situation where he's either got to admit that the uh, the management of the Tigers club is either shit or he's got to say bold-faced that every other club is cheating the salary cap. Yeah. I thought that was a good situation to put him in. Brilliant, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I, I, I doubt that he will answer that one. Yeah, that feels like one that will be skipped over for, like, yeah. what's your favourite colour or whatever questions they yeah. allow to go I through. like your facial hair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, someone replied to that saying, why have we announced that we are not signing Josh Adokar? <laughs> <laughs> um, here's one here from Swamp Duck 04. I've seen several people that, like myself, would like to occasionally observe a training session, but the club seems to be unresponsive to requests for information. Can you explain why? Oh, really? That's that's kind of weird, because they train at Concord. Uh, Concord. It's not called Concord Oval, is it? Nah, it's got some other name, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. But they play, anyway, there's a little stadium there. They actually, I think it's the place they played the semi-final of a Rugby Union World Cup in the 80s there. and it, um, uh, Waratah Stadium? Uh, I just I just can't remember the name of it. It is a rugby union ground. Yeah, yeah. But it's a, like it's a very small stadium, but it is a stadium. And and it feels like it would be pretty easy to allow people to go and see. But, yeah, they, if they don't allow people to watch them train. I can understand not watching every training session, but just yeah. for a normal one, I don't get that. Because the Panthers train... Uh, some of their training sessions are just out on the paddock outside of Penrith Footy Stadium. You could go and watch that, you know. Yeah. The interesting thing about this ground they've got at Concord is it has a capacity of 20,000. Mm-hmm. Um, they could just play NRL games there. That, that has had NRL games played at it before. You a, know, long, a long time ago, before it was redeveloped. I, I know, like, the traffic to it would be just a nightmare. And, like, there's no parking, but there's no parking at Cogra. Leichhardt. There's no parking at Leichhardt. And this is the other thing, too, is that it's not like the Tigers have ever struggled to have a home ground. Mm -hmm. They've got got Campbelltown and they've got Leichhardt Mm -hmm. that are already there. They've had them from day one. Yeah. Yet they decide to train 
at Concord Oval, where they never play. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. It's stupid. Yeah. Like, you know, why I've not seen... train on the actual home grounds that you're going to be playing on so you get better, you know, more accustomed to the own home ground? I, it's just I want... nonsense. I wonder with some of... I wonder with a team like the West Tigers, whether they decide to play... Whether they decide to train somewhere like that because it's easier for the majority of their players who maybe live in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. That's just a guess, though. Um, you know, if you're earning that much money playing football and they say we're training at Katoomba, you should be driving to Katoomba every day. Uh, I know that they've got their, their administration facilities out there. I've seen them myself, actually. Yeah. And, I think but, it's purely, yeah. I think it's for that reason. It's, it's closer to the cities that might be more accessible for big-name sponsors or some garbage. Yeah, but it do, it's... It's not justifiable enough for it to make complete sense, hey? No, it's not. Especially being a rugby union ground. Yeah. West Tigers have got enough rugby league home grounds, so they should be able to use one of them. And they they really do. They need to pick and stick. Yep. It's it's ridiculous at this point. Which leads us nicely into the next question. Mm-hmm. Does the club want to play out of one home ground in the future or possibly playing six games at both suburban grounds after the contract with Bankwest and ANZ ends? Mm, that's an interesting one. I, it, I was going to say, it, they, should, they should have always just said, you know what, the future of the club is always going to be the MacArthur region, so we're just going to transition and play, let's say, eight games at Campbelltown, yeah. two games at Leichhardt, and two games at Bankwest slash ANZ. Yeah, I can see, I, I would do the same thing. I would be, I'd be moving to Campbelltown full-time. I might only play one or two games at Leichhardt, as you said, and they would be very specific games. Um, and the games that I'd play at, at, at Bankwest Stadium, it would be like against the Eels or, yeah. you know, it would be those, you know, against maybe the Bulldogs where you might get another five to 10,000 in that's the opposition fans. And instead of it being like a... Out of town team. Yeah, yeah. It would it, yeah. it, be interesting to do that. That's what I would do. Exactly. And bring the out-of-town teams to play at Leichhardt. Yeah, yeah. That way you can have that real home ground advantage over them. Just a bunch of fans are sitting there going, Broncos suck! That's the shit. And, you know, need new urinal cakes, that sort of stuff, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I th- Look, I think that uh, and teams like, say, against the Storm or the North Queensland Cowboys, uh, they'd be two that jump out at me that would be perfect to play at Leichhardt Oval. Mm. No, I think eventually they should decide to, you know, whether they keep Wycard on the books or not. I know there's been talk from some councils or governments about redeveloping it and, and putting money into it, but let's be honest, those stands, I believe, are mostly wood, and if they're not, they're very, very old. Mm-hmm. If they're going to spend any money on that redeveloping it and fixing it up, even just to look like a more modernised version of what it currently does, it's going to cost a shit ton of money, and it's just not worth it. Yeah, and I also think that with older grounds, if you're going to upgrade them, I need to be able to look around them and say, well, you've, you know, it's got good transport links. You've got parking here. There's no reason why this isn't going to be a good place to build a stadium if there wasn't one here already. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where why I think that if they built another uh, another football ground down in the MacArthur region, 
which there's talk about that, you know, there's space down there that you can pick your place and you'd be able to have all of those things in place, even if you didn't just rebuild Campbelltown Stadium. Um, But somewhere like Leichhardt, I mean, the restrictions are so outrageous. You're never going to have the parking ever. Ideally, in in my mind, what I would do is say, right, we're just going to forego three seasons to completely build a Bankwest at Campbelltown. Mm-hmm. And in those three seasons, we're going to play our home games at Leichhardt and Bankwest and ANZ. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. Yeah. And then once that stadium is built, those other three grounds, all gone. We're just going to play every home game at the new stadium out of Campbelltown. Going yeah. to train there, going to be administrators there. Everything's going to be there. Yep. That's it. Fucking base yourself somewhere. At the moment, they're traveling bloody gypsies. Well, just, I mean, you think of the, just the advantage, and I'll use my team as an example, just the advantage of Panthers versus the West Tigers, where the Panthers know where they're going to be training when training starts next season, and where it will be the following season, and the following season, and the following season, and where they'll be playing their home games is the same sort of thing. There's got to be some, and look, the players will be used to it at a point, but there's got to be some level of disruption that even if it is a half a percent, is just something they shouldn't be dealing with. No, and that's right. And the problem they've got at the moment is by trying to please everyone, the West Tigers are actually alienating everyone because yeah. the fans out at Campbelltown have gone from, you know, when the Magpies are around, having 11 home games a year out there to now getting three. Mm-hmm. The fans for Balmain, same deal. And yet the fans who they've got that don't live at either Leichhardt, Balmain region or the Campbelltown region, but live in other parts of Sydney, they're only getting three or four home games as well because, you know, at Ains and Stephen or Bankwest. And so you're not, you're not appealing to anyone. You're no. just giving everyone little nibbles of the fucking cherry. And-, and they need to just say, you know what? Fuck it, we are a Western Western suburbs based team. We're called West. Let's just yeah. go to the fucking Western suburbs and just that's it. Yeah, and it like build your fan base out. That's where the population's growing. It's been a makeshift solution that they've been doing for twenty years. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Yep. yep, trying to please everyone and they're failing completely in every area. Mm-hmm. Um. Swamp Duck asks another one. What is the club's plan for the next 10 and 20 years? Home ground, number of games at each, community engagement, player development, pathways, etc. Mate, you are never getting that asked. Yeah. They're not going to ask him that. No, no. I'd be because surprised if the only... club has a plan for the next 10, 20 years anyway. The, the, I don't think it does either. And the only, the only answers you can really get end up in that MacArthur region. That's yeah. the only answer you can get. Any answer that says... Like it where they say like art, it's like oh, so you don't have an answer to that. It's this is a thing because West Ashfield have decided that they're going to chip in and help Balmain um, get their legs club back, rebuild all sorts of stuff. That just means that this whole segregation between the two Magpies and Tigers thing will just continue forever. Yeah. That's if that club goes ahead. <clears throat> Because they'll still be just sitting there constantly trying to appease both sides of the of the fan base. Yeah, there'll be a certain section of people that will see, you know, they'll go to that place and it's, it, you know, it's Ashfield, it's West Ashfield. And, but they'll see that logo up there, that'll be a tiger. 
which will be good marketing for the club itself. But uh, they'll see that logo and they'll be like, oh, one step closer to being Balmain again. Yeah, and that's what I said all along. They should just rebrand West Ashfield and that Balmain one as West Tigers. I agree. I agree 100%. The Magpies can have their Leagues Club out there at Campbelltown if they want, but that's what they should do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. they, know, they need to stop being the Magpies and Balmain. It's just fucking 20 years since the merger. Gross sake. Grow up. Yeah. Move on. It's over. It's over. Yeah. <laughs> your, clubs, your clubs are not coming back. And no. this has come from someone who was, you know, I was a Balmain fan growing up, you know. You've got to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, who decides on how much the club will pay players and who signs off on it? How does the process of targeting players work? Well, I know how the process of targeting players works. You go to the NRL website and you look at the list of who's off contract. <laughs> and then you wait for them to, you wait for every other club to spend all their salary cap and fill up their entire roster of 30. And if there's any players left on that haven't been signed, that's when you offer them a deal. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. They start their recruitment sometime in November which is a problem. Um, yes. You link yourself to everyone mm. that you need. Mm-hmm. You don't sign any of them. Mm-hmm. And then you just wait to pick up the dregs in January. And at that time, you're only negotiating with yourself. No other club's interested because they've already filled their rosters. And then you have a bidding war with yourself until eventually the player gets what they want. You know, it, that's just made me think of a really good question. I wonder with the Harry Grant loan deal, I wonder who made the first move, whether it was the – because obviously Madge being there, he's got links back to the Storm and Craig Bellamy. The Storm know they've got this young bloke that it's time for him to be playing first grade, but they can't offer him a role. I wonder if it was the Storm that uh, approached them. I believe it would be. Yeah, because I can't imagine it was the West Tigers because it seems too smart of a move. Yeah, I believe it was it was a storm because they knew even last you know twenty nineteen that Harry Grant was in already then. Yeah, but you got two test hookers in the, in your club. Mm-hmm. Where are you going to put a third hooker? So the best way to appease him to keep him contracted to the club, but get him some NRL game time and the experience he needs. Mm-hmm. Let some other club have him for a year. And which club do you give him to? One that's not a threat. Yeah. That's what they did. Yeah, you, you give him someone you know you're, you're not going to be battling him in September. Yeah. And the good thing is because because um, Maguire has been in the Bellamy coaching ranks, Bellamy can be confident that Maguire's going to coach him good, mm-hmm. which has happened because he's got him playing Origin. So Bellamy's the winner out of this completely. It's a smart play. That's what the Storm do, is smart stuff. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've got a question here that's a really interesting one yep. amongst all these questions. The question, is, it's from Robbie Bitola, and yep. he says, are there tribes in Indonesia where if you keep your coat on in somebody's house, the families go to war? <laughs> uh, I'm sure there is. Probably. Um, basically, why would you wear a coat in Indonesia? That's the first question. It's bloody humid there. Yeah, it's like I remember when I went to um, Hawaii a number of years ago, and the temperature is always just 20, 20 about 27 degrees. Like, yep. And it literally is 27, 27, 27, goes up to 28, back to 27. 
And I remember being there and thinking, like, you could legitimately live here your entire life and not own a jacket. Yeah. Yeah. And it not be weird. No, that's right. You wouldn't even need a jumper. No. Or long pants. Mm. Um, so, yeah, wearing a coat in Indonesia. I dare say it would, it would um, lead to war because if it's a fancy coat, you might come across looking a bit rich. Yeah. They go, oh, here's a rich bastard. Let's fucking kill him and take his money. You walk in with a mink coat. Yeah. And they, they just get pissed off because now you're just flaunting your exactly. wealth. Exactly. Where's our money? Yeah. What, you could have given us food and you decided to buy yourself a fucking coat, you prick. Exactly. Then a war breaks out. That's how this shit starts. Uh, <laughs> why hasn't the club played a singles finals game coming into ten, coming on to 10 years now? Why did the club let three of the best players in a generation, Teddy, Josh Adakar, Pap, I don't know who that is, go, or Pappenhausen? Why is this club, club still losing good players like Madison, Aloy, Benji, and now possibly yet another club favourite, Nofaluma? Yeah, he's not going to answer that one. Yeah, he ain't answering that one. It's There's some good questions, though. Yeah. Some really so good questions. Why hasn't the club played a single finals game coming on to 10 years now? Because the only one they've ever played finals is by fluke. And when you've got an absolute freakish combination in the heart, in the spine. Yeah. Like, that's been it. Like, these, these dudes are not going to allow this team to lose. That's right. There's only been a few players in my lifetime where I've seen players who can literally refuse to allow their team to lose. Like Wally Lewis was one. Andrew Johns was one. Darren Lockyer was on. Benji Marshall's one of them. I, yep. There were so many games where, you know, he, he's playing alongside a lot of reserve-grade quality players. And, yeah, Benji Marshall's out there doing things and and... and Beating very, very good teams. And look, he did it even last year. Yep. There were, there were games they won where they had zero right to win them. But Benji Marshall is just being Benji Marshall. He's still got it. Yeah. Um, oh, did you see the news that he might be going to Hull FC? Yeah. They're throwing some big coin in. Something like £400 for the year. £400,000 for the year, which is, what, 700000 Australian dollars. Yeah, now, like, what What do you think of a deal like that? Because that is a hell of a lot of money. I don't know how that works under the Super League salary cap, but... Well, I think that they get an exemption for one overseas marquee player. And, he, yeah, he'd be... So worried. that just doesn't go in the cap. You can pay whatever the hell you can afford. But do you reckon that a club like Hull FC, because everyone's lost money this year in Super League like most years, but a lot more this year. Do you reckon that they think to themselves, we might get fans in next year, we have to get fans in next year, we need something to give our sponsors a kick in the ass and say, hey, it's worth coming back to the, you know, in 2021. So you get Benji Marshall and maybe he pays for himself. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Like if you said to Hull, you know, if Hull says to their fans, we're going to get Benji Marshall here their fans will turn up to watch. Yeah. There's no joke about it. It doesn't matter which club. They, you know, Huddersfield could get him. Their fans will come out and watch. Mm-hmm. And their fans are pretty, you know, pretty lazy when it comes to supporting their team, even when they're successful. But Yeah, they, their crowd should be better. And yeah. I say that as a Hull FC fan. Like, the crowd should be better at Hull FC. Yeah. But Benji's the sort of person that just does put bums on seats. He really does. 
I, and I just want to say too, Hull FC goes after Benji Marshall. Hull KR look for Travis Burns types. That's <laughs> it's just so, levels, Andrew. There's no different problem. levels of clubs, you know, and you know Hull FC is Benji Marshall level. There's, you know, some clubs look at Travis Burns and they're like, "Ooh, Travis Burns! Ooh, that's amazing!" Talk about him for years and years. Not Hull FC. For, for those of you at Hull KR that wish to refute that claim by League Freak, what you need to do is pick up the phone to the West Tigers and say, look, we want to talk a deal with Moses and Bai. <laughs> He's an origin star. He's a lot younger than Benji Marshall. That's how you beat that system. I tell you me. what. They, the Hulk KR fans smoke enough crack that that might make sense. Make sense. <laughs> like, oh uh, well, I'm not uh, saying they're all crack addicts. Oh wait a minute, I am. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be one of those comments of um, you know, not all crack, not all crack addicts are Hulk KR fans, but all Hulk KR <laughs> fans are crack addicts. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's where I, I thought you were going. Use that one. <laughs> um. Another question here. Why couldn't we get Josh Adekar over the line? I guess that's because Josh Adekar wants to win games and play in the finals. Yeah, I think it feels like he was only ever going to go to the West Tigers if they made a godfather offer and yeah. they they didn't quite make one. And so it's like, fuck this, I'm staying in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, someone said, are we still going after Adekar? What are our chances? I'd say the club is no longer going after him and the chances are zero. Yeah, especially once they said publicly, ridiculously. He either plays for the Storm or he plays for us. It's like, fuck off. <laughs> Can't even get their own players to play for them. That's right. <laughs> um, another one here. When are you going to get a haircut, Justin? And there was a response to it. When we make the eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Has, yeah. has he got a big, big head of hair? I have no idea. Let's have a look. He's got a, he's got this weird. Um, oh, I can see it. Wow. Yeah. You know I kind of like it. Yeah, I don't. I, I like it in a weird way. He he looks like. He looks like he's trying to have a comb over, but he doesn't need one. What is yeah, with that? He he his haircut is like a character in Die Hard. If but if he was like the used car salesman or something. You know what I mean? He definitely looks like a, a car salesman. But I like that he goes there. I like that he's like, nah, fuck it. This is my haircut. What I'm he needs? He needs a genuine 1980s Aussie Mo on there. Oh, yeah. And he's definitely selling you a shitbox Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. That thing will have like 500,000 Ks on it. He's selling that to you for two grand. You know he is. Can you imagine? I want to. I want to see him with like a a full on uh, Magnum PI Tash. That would be interesting. Yeah, that's what he needs to get going. Yeah. Uh, someone said, "Have we secured Nofaluma yet?" It doesn't appear that's the way. <laughs> um, what's the squad looking like for next year? What are you guys wanting, expecting to come next year on the ladder? Nine. I, I don't think they know that. <laughs> Nine. I don't think they've got any fucking idea what the team's going to look like. Yeah, but they're yeah. going to finish ninth. Next year, they want to finish ninth because that's an improvement on this year. I've got a question here by Mule. They're just called Mule. Yep. Um, has Josh started on the launch yet? 
I think Josh has taken his lawnmower and fucked off to Brookvale, hasn't he? You're going to mow that with all the dog shit everywhere flying in his shins. Nothing says come to our club like we will fucking trash our own players. Yeah, we'll, go, we'll make you mow the grass. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, how that's, much we think of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to go down well. Yeah. Um, what are the forces within the club that are causing our best-performing players to constantly want to pursue success at our competitors, and why are we unable to attract a true match winner in recruiting? Yeah, Justin, answer that yeah. fucking question. Answer that one, yeah. Yeah, can you name... They have never had a match match winner that they've recruited. No. Ever. Like, no. even even you think of... Like I'm thinking of their best recruits since they they made the merger. Like Jared say, McCracken's one of them, but you wouldn't call him a match winner. You would, I would say, say he's a really Scott, solid addition. Scott Prince and Brett Hodgson, and it's been Buckley since. Uh, yeah, Scott Prince was Scott Prince was pretty close to one. Hodgson, I would say more so though. Hey, but Hodgson he was, was a, wasn't he a, a West's junior though? He was, but he was at Parramatta when we signed him. Ah, uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, when can we move back to ANZ Stadium and how long is the contract at Bankwest? Yeah. There's a lot of people here don't like Bankwest Stadium, hey? Really? Oh, heaps of... I keep going through and it's people saying, when's the Bankwest contract over? It's it's kind of shocking because it, having been to that stadium, it's so beautiful and amazing. And I'd love to know why it is that West Tigers fans don't like that experience there. Hmm. Maybe just because we've got a shit record there. Possibly. Oh, yeah. I guess if it's your home ground and you keep getting smacked there, you yeah. soon hate the place. Um, we've got lots of good juniors and some great people on board. We're always going to lose good guys that we developed and discovered, but why don't they want to stay? It can't just be about money. Why can Penrith do it? You know, I think Penrith's a really good example because at times Penrith has a lot more good juniors come through. So it's a little bit of a, a more uh, extreme situation. But at times, Penrith has leaked their better players to other clubs, and then they get their shit together and it stops for a while. And it, but it, it never seems to stop for the West Tigers. And so it's a, a cool example. And I, I think, think too, it's... because they're both on the West. Yeah. And they'd be the two clubs in Sydney with the biggest catchment areas. Yeah. Surely. Easy. It's so got to be easy. They'd be the. That's why Penrith is a very good example to, to compare with. Well, Penrith have been in and out of finals more regularly than the West Tigers have in the last 20 years. I mean, they've made two grand finals in that time and won one of them. Tigers have only been in one, which they won. And I, I guess that it comes back to just getting, getting the team and the environment and everything going in the right direction. Because, like, you think of Penrith that they're... You think of Penrith under the Matthew Elliott regime when it was just a fucking mess. It kind of... If you look at their lineup, if you look at who they would lose, if you look at their record, it was very West Tigers-ish. But when you fix all of your problems you start to be able to keep your players better. And and I just don't think the West Tigers ever fix their problems. No, they don't. That's not in their best interest. We don't want to fix problems. 
problems are our, are our reason for waking up in the morning. That's right. Without problems, we don't exist. Exactly. Hey, I've got a good question here from yeah. Nucky Thompson. He asks, why are you so handsome? <laughs> so it's a good question. Might need a second opinion on that one. <laughs> second opinion. <laughs> Oh, shit. Handsome. Here's one from NRL Brain where he says just hashtag spin. Um, what's another one? What, here's one from Beach7. What made Josh Alloy a act flip on the Tigers? <laughs> That's because no one actually backflips on the Tigers. They only act flip. They act flip, yeah. yeah. They haven't got time for the B. Nah. Fuck the B. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I dare say telling him he's going to have to cut the fucking grasses would be a good start. I know, right? Can you imagine? Like you're trying to you're trying to hold on to a player, and one of the board members say he can cut the fucking grass for all I care. Oh, <laughs> it's mad. And the thing is, Alloway is he? I mean. He was one of the top 50 players for post-contact meters in the NRL this year. Mm. One of the top 50. The, you know, the only Tigers forward to be in the top 50 as well. Why would you fuck that off? I yeah. I, I don't know why you would piss off someone like that. It, it's got to be, it's a culture thing. It's a culture thing. It's just so fucking stupid. That's the problem. Too much of what's gone on at this club is just fucking stupid. And that was the you know, that was the basis behind my question is the Tiger's salary cap is almost at the at its capacity. Yeah. How? It makes no sense. How? How is it that the Melbourne Storm have used up as much of their salary cap as the West Tigers have? And you look at the two rosters and you go, How have the West Tigers spent that much? Mm-hmm. That's the fucking thing they've got to start working out. If if they've got to spend six hundred thousand dollars to get a player that's only worth half that to the club, then fuck him. Bring through a junior. Mm-hmm. Save your money. If it means you're going to spend your money and you might blow your whole load on one world class athlete, fair enough. But spend spend some more time looking after your juniors, and that way the the juniors who are there are going to go. Oh yeah. If we stay here, the club will give us a chance. But at the moment, they're not getting a chance because the club will just go and buy whoever's available and put them in there. And the juniors will go, well, there's no place for me now, so I'll go somewhere else. And that's where you get this problem. Yeah. And, and look, they should be producing so many more quality juniors as well. Like, they should be really only behind the Panthers. And it's just a numbers game. I'm not saying there's any special fucking sprinkled dust over at Penrith. But it's just a numbers game. They should be right up there with producing the talent. And they, it just isn't as good as it should be. And I I wonder why that is. Because if there's one other club in the NRL that shouldn't have to be worrying about where is the talent come from, it should be the West Tigers. It really yeah, should be. Exactly. I mean, when Sheens was there in, the, in his early years there, the Tigers had so much talent coming through. Um, all good quality players. Didn't know what to do with them all. Yeah. And so, of course, you're going to lose some. But that's not happening now. No. As for the talk about, you know, how do we lose 
um, Ryan Pappen has them. Well, the club had banked on um, Tedesco staying there. And given Tedesco was only 23 at the time, Pappenhausen had no chance of ever playing first grade at the West Tigers. Mm-hmm. So they let him go, despite not knowing whether <laughs> Tedesco was going to stay after his next contract ended. They could have just held on to Pappenhausen for another three years or something like that, because that's how far back we're going here. You know, it wasn't like we lost Pappenhausen when he was NRL ready. We yeah, lost him yeah. when he was still in his teenage years. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that was the dumb thing. They just went, oh, look, he's never going to play. We'll just let him go somewhere else so he can, you know, at least reach his potential elsewhere because we're going to have Tedesco forever. And it's just stupid. Tedesco leaves him. Oh, it would have been good to keep Pappenhausen. Bit late yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. And it's weird. That, like, you think back to when all of those players were off contract at the same time, which is a really bad idea in the first place. Like, a good club doesn't allow that to happen anyway. But, I, you know, you knew Tedesco was going to be... I don't know if we all knew he was going to be what he is now, but we all knew he was going to be pretty damn close to what he is now. And he was worth throwing all the money at, especially for a club like the Tigers, to hold on to. And I, th- I think that when you lose a player of that caliber, it, it really says something about where your club's at because a good club really shouldn't lose someone like that and they will always regret it. I think the Roosters regret allowing RTS to leave. I think that they shouldn't have ever, ever, and I know they got Tedesco as a replacement, a bloody good replacement, mm. but they should have never let RTS leave. They should have thrown mm. all the money at him. And I, I think it's a really bad sign when anybody loses a player like that. Penrith losing Brad Fittler. I know there were other circumstances involved in that with the ARL and Super League contracts, but they should have thrown, you know, they should have said to Brad Fittler, you're the richest player in the world, you know, yeah. and walk away from that. Um, it, it, I think with just, the the Tedesco RTS Roosters deal mm. is Tedesco, I believe, has always been very close friends with the Minicellos. Mm. And I dare say the Minicello, you know, Anthony Minicello had been speaking to him a fair bit um, during that last, well, last few years he was at the Tigers. Mm-hmm. He always said, look, he's a dead certainty to come over to the Roosters. And that's probably why the Roosters let RTS go. Okay, here's a question for you. Like, you're the Roosters, and obviously RTS has... He always, he must have had a lure to go to New Zealand because he could have signed for any club and he ended up going to the Warriors. Now, the Warriors obviously paid him a hell of a lot of money for that. But I think if I was the Roosters, and I'm not saying that one's better than the other, i just go with what I know works. And I think that... Look, I think if you swapped Tedesco and RTS, you know, and played the, what they've done a hundred times over, you'd get the same result a hundred times. Yeah. Like, I think they're just as good as each other. They've got just as good ability. I don't think you lose a single thing. Yeah, it just um, seems like a, a pointless move. Like, yeah, you've already uh, got a world-class fullback. Why get rid of him just to bring in a different world-class fullback? Yeah, and there is a risk there involved, a little bit of a risk there. But look, it worked out for them, and I think it would have worked out for either of them. But, um, yeah, I, I whenever you see a player... Like, I think... You think of some of the players, like uh, the the Bulldogs losing Thurston or even North Queensland losing Ponga 
things like that where clubs, there's those sorts of players where it's like, oh, man, how did they allow that to happen? Fafida leaving the Broncos, that's another one. Mm. No, that's true. Um, another one here. Could you clarify what input Madge has in recruitment and retention of his team? It was reported that McIntyre said, I don't think he has much to do with it, recruitment decisions. This has been a bit of an issue that the Tigers have had for quite a while since Tim Sheen's left. Mm-hmm. And that was when they hired a new coach. The coach had next to no control over who was being um, recruited to the club, who was being retained. They just had to deal with whatever squad they were handed by the people running the club. Yeah. Which is an atrocious way to run a team. Oh, terrible. But I, yeah. I know that Potter had that issue um, when he came across. Um, Jason Taylor had it less, but... It didn't matter then because their cap was at the absolute maximum and they had no wriggle room for two or three years. So it's not like he was going to do anything anyway. Yeah. And it wasn't until he left that they, they freed up some cash. And that's when Cleary came in and he spent all that money on some pretty average players who all played well in their first year. And most of them just fell off a cliff after that. Mm-hmm. And he, they'd all been signed up to these long deals, which was just... Ridiculous, because you know most of them are all ending next year. Yeah, um, that was super long deals. Yeah, so there there are people within the club too, or you know fans more than anything, who are sick of the fact that the Tigers failed to make the finals again. Yeah, and they want Maguire gone because they don't think he's any good, which is just absurd. Yeah, because next year is when Maguire finally gets rid of all of that. St- all of that cap space tied up in players in reserve grade. And he's able to actually spend money on players he wants at the team. He's actually able to build his team next year. Mm-hmm. So that's when he should start getting judged is based on his recruitment in 2021 and how the team performs in 2022 and beyond. Because that's he's got no excuses then. If it doesn't work then, then we know that he's no longer good enough for the job. But that's when it starts. Not yeah, next year, not now. And I, I always think that at a really good club, like I think a coach has, you know, he's got a lot on his plate. I, I don't imagine that a coach does all of the recruitment stuff. And that's where you see Owen, your board, I think surprisingly does a lot of work as well, um, especially the chairman. Uh, over the last, like, I think it's the last eight years or so, the chairman at NRL clubs have really stepped up and, and done a lot of work that CEOs were the only ones really doing. Um, it, and it should never, ever just be down to the coach because, as you say, then you get to a situation where, you know, you've got Ivan Cleary who has the purse strings and he's like, yeah, I really do want to give, you know, this player a four-year contract. And you, you need somebody to step in and say, look, Ivan, we're not doing that. I'm sorry. Um, so it should never be a 100% thing, but if, if that controlling factor, if that say it's 60, 40 with the coach and the CEO or the coach and everyone else that's involved in it, if that extra 40% is being controlled by people that are terrible at their job, you're screwed anyway. I agree. Fully agree. Um, there's a few lighthearted ones here. What like? I don't think this one's intended to be lighthearted, but it is okay. funny. Okay, go for it. Do we ever look at the English Super League for players? Oh, jeez. 
Well, okay, so Gareth Widdop wants to come home and he's pretty desperate because he's been offered a he's been offered the clubs apparently at a pretty good deal, pretty good rate. I I I don't know that you get him just because he's so injury prone at the moment. I I wouldn't buy him. Yeah. He's a quality player when he plays, but he just you can't rely on it. Yeah, not anymore. Um English players. God damn. I wouldn't mind uh, the 5'8 from Hull FC. He's so good we don't even know his name. No, he's a Kiwi bloke. What, the one they've got or the one they're going to get? The one they're going to get. Big mate. I'm trying to think of a player over there. The only one that I've seen who's been playing reasonably well was um, Bevan French. Yeah, he. I think he'd come back and be all right. Yeah. Um, Outside of that, you're looking at players like, like Aiden Caesar, you know, who'd come back and he'd do a job for you. But like, what, you know, what are we doing here, really? Yeah. Um. Who else is over there? Stefan Ratchford would probably be okay, but yeah, Tiger's already got an, an okay sort of winger. Oh, sorry, fullback. That like, I mean, do you roll the dice that David Fafida, Andrew Fafida's brother, is going to do anything? I don't know about that. He's had a reasonably quiet year this year. Yeah, but he wanted out. He wanted out of the club too. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else they got. Just trying to see if there's any um, like like uh, Hastings. Once again, I don't think he's NRL quality. No. Blake Austin, you know, been there, done that. I wouldn't mind seeing, not that, I'm not, no, no player in particular here, I yeah. wouldn't mind seeing some French players in the NRL. Yeah, I wonder if, I would love to know if there's any effort to recruit French players or, you know, when I see some of the, um, players in in international games that don't get much of a profile and we've talked about this a a little bit recently where you wonder if any of the NRL clubs say you know what this guy might be worth getting in on a and just get just get him in let's bring him over and see what he can do in a couple of training sessions no contract on the table but see if he's got something we could work with here and I, I, I don't think they do that too much because it's just easier to develop your own local juniors unless you're the Roosters. And so, but I I wonder, like I've often wondered if clubs, and they used to do it in the past, if they still look to say South Africa in the rugby union ranks for wingers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't think they do. No, but it's, it's amazing that clubs aren't looking a bit further afield, I guess. Yeah. Um, because it's a look for a team like the West Tigers who has problems. It, it might be the soft area of recruitment that no one is looking at that you could get an advantage in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at a few players here. There's um Benjamin Garcia. He's 27 years old. He's played nine tests for France. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost 150 games for Catalan. Can play in the. Back row or the front row? Mostly back row, though. 
There was um, a. I remember, and this going back maybe eight years or so, there was a fullback, French fullback. I think he ended up going to Wigan for a little bit. Is that Thomas Bosch? No, no. Um, Theo Farge. No, it wasn't him. Oh. Uh, I can't. I just can't remember his name. But when I I saw him play, and I always thought he was he looked like he could have been a pretty handy player. Um, I just can't remember his name. I'm sure there'll be a lot of English fans that are yelling at their podcasting device right now, saying it's him, it's this dude. But yeah, <laughs> that sort of stuff. Um, I think I know the one. Oh, what was his name? He came. I'm pretty sure he came over to and played New South Wales Cup for the Sharks. Fullback. Let's see. I'll try and Google his name. Uh, Morgan Ascari. That's it. Uh, that's a different one. Yeah, Ascari is a very good player. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was him. He, he uh, yeah, one of I saw him play when he was younger, and I was just impressed with what I saw. Um, and look, he's done. He's done good in uh in rugby league over there. But I, I, I really did. I felt like if he had have been given, given a chance to go for it, I thought he could have been a, a handy pickup for an. I don't know an NRL club, but it would have been a nice, nice recruitment that could have led somewhere. Yeah, interesting one. He wouldn't have been a bad one. Yeah, he reminded me of because um, it was around that time uh, Sam Tompkins was starting to find his feet in Super League, and he felt like he was around that sort of level of player. Yep. And yeah, it was just he's one of the ones that. But I think I really do. I think it's a soft area for recruitment, and I think the NRL clubs don't look at it for the simple fact that it's just a little bit of extra effort that they could look. You can go to Fiji and find a six foot four, hundred and ten kilogram winger. You know, it, it, it's you just you you haven't got infinite funds to get everyone. So you just try and focus it. And I understand that. That makes sense. That's right. The player I was thinking of was Tony Gigo. He played for the Sharks in the New South Wales Cup back in 2009 or something like that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, right, what else is on here? Um, has Maguire been resigned yet? Guaranteed that hasn't happened. Um, it, it, feels like, it feels like they're going to fuck it up, hey? Yeah, and who are they going to sign to replace him with? Yeah. There's very little to pick from. No. Uh, another one here. Why are you still here? Yeah, that, that's that's the best one. That's definitely the best one. When does his when does his job come under scrutiny? Like, what does he have to do? I don't know. There's this weird thing within the club, uh, amongst the fan base anyway, that thinks that he's been the greatest thing that's ever happened to the club. Really? Yeah, they think that he's. He's the sole reason why all of these um, we've got all these great sponsorship deals at the moment. Which, okay, I mean every club's got sponsors. Yeah, success on the field would be fucking handy. Um, so I don't know. There's a lot of people who think he's doing a great job. Uh, another one here. If we have another crap or crappier season, will you resign? It's a good question. Uh, I wonder why the board doesn't have him under. You know, under some sort of scrutiny, like 
Well, it's because the board is mostly fighting amongst themselves about trying to get the magpies back or the tigers back. <laughs> good point. That's a very good point. I wonder if they've still got a member of the NRL on the board. Remember, there was a while there where they said... They, yeah, that they was said, when, um, when Balmain couldn't keep up their end of the deal financially because of their um, investment. Mm-hmm. What went through the floor and they end up being broke. Mm-hmm. So the NRL put in a independent person in there to act on Balmain's behalf, but they wouldn't be talking on Balmain's behalf, but on the NRL side of things, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I don't know that that's there anymore because Balmain's no longer, you know, near insolvency. Mm-hmm. They've got all their debts paid out, um, all their loans to the NRL and everybody else has been paid out. They only owe money to West Ashfield at the moment, which is it's not regarded as an issue for the NRL. Because yeah, it's all, yeah. as far as I said, it's all in-house. Yeah. So I believe Balmain's now got people on the back in the boardroom. I'm not sure if that's the case or not, or whether we'll go away till the next AGM. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's no NRL members in there anymore. Well, that's a good move. That's good. Because you don't want to see, you know, you don't want to see that situation where the league has to step in to that extent. That was terrible. Wow. You, you, you shouldn't want to see that. <laughs> Probably would be a bad thing for the NRL if they just had the NRL in there focused on the NRL side instead of all these other people with their agendas about trying to get back some old teams from the eighties in there. Well, and that was that's when remember last year when you had the club sort of getting together and saying, Oh, the NRL can't run things well and stuff and you and me were pointing out how many of these clubs needed bailouts and loans and mm-hmm. it's completely taken over and all that sort of stuff. It was a bit of a joke. A lot of a joke, yes. Mm. So um, that's pretty much it for the uh, ask, ask the Potato hashtag. Is that what it was? Uh, ask, hashtag Ask the Boss. Oh, that's right, yeah. Ask the Boss. Right. There's some fucking ego in that, hey? There is a bit, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should do one like that. What would Let's do the hashtag Ask Daddy. <laughs> It's like, ask the gods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Imagine going there saying, ask the boss. It should Actual. just be you. Ask the spud. Ask the spud. Why is he just called spud? Because he looks like a potato. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's my, that's my take on it. It's got to be something like that. It's only one spot. Yeah. That's right. So um, have we had any emails? We have, actually. I should have loaded them back up while we were fucking talking for an hour and a half. Yeah, well, given that you told me that we had an email prior to pressing record, I thought that meant that maybe you'd opened it up in your browser and you left it there. No, why would I do that? that right. planning. <laughs> right. So uh, this is from uh, Tiger Man. He actually emailed us in our email when we read out all of the the emails. He says, hello, fellas. In my last email, I asked about where did the Tigers go wrong after our four successful years. Um, Them four years were 05, 09, 2010, and 2011. 09 Um, wasn't that successful. Well, he says, but looking at the stats and results, I realized 09 wasn't actually that good, but I remember us being a lot better. 
I call successful years us making the finals. My question is, have you ever considered playing super coach? I have been playing for a few years now and it's quite fun. I'd like to hear your take on it and see what stats you would come up for, uh, with for it. Thanks. Have you ever played super coach? I have. You know what turned me off super coach? What? The best player for most of the time it was there was Corey fucking Parker. Oh, really? Yeah, you know why? Because oh, he just right. made because yeah. he just made a shit ton of tackles and he was a goal kicker. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And he was like the 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 player to get. Yeah, and so the thing I hate most about Supercoach is um, you you end up paying a lot of money on players who you know in the halves or maybe in the back line who yeah. don't make who don't score many points, but yeah. you've got to pay shit tons for them. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just lose interest in it. See, for me, I uh, in the I'm trying to think. It was, it was probably the late '90s, early '90s. I was in a fancy rugby league competition called the International Interactive Rugby League, and what what the competition was is basically they would rate every single player, um, and it changed over the years. But say it was like on a on a scale of one to ten in different areas. So their attack their defence, their injury rating, um, uh, they were like their kicking rating, their goal kicking rating, things like that. And it, so you had, and you would have your salary cap, and you would actually buy your player, and it would be your player. So no one else had it; it was like your player. Yep. And uh, and it was a lot of fun. I invested a lot of time and effort into it. I actually ended up being the most, and we, like you had when the season would end. You had you were allowed to keep say five players, and then there was a draft and everything for the extra players, and you could do play trades and stuff like that. Ended up being the most successful coach in that competition's history. I actually won the competition my first year, and then my second year, I I ended up owning two teams in it, and both of them they made the grand final. But I was put so much time and effort into these teams they should have, and I just kind of got all my fantasy rugby league stuff out during those years so uh, i don't play any of the the other competitions because i kind of got it out of my system you know yeah um yeah i i tried a few times to, to do a full season mm-hmm. used to get bored of it after about 10 rounds yeah i'd, I'd be sitting there like one day i'd be piss farting around on the internet nothing to do looking at YouTube videos and going, oh, yeah, I've got a fancy. I might go check out, see what's going on. I go, oh, look at that. It's going crap. Oh, I can't be asked. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's – I'm the same with uh, tipping competitions and, like, you and me are in that one competition and you fucking know how many times I get a message saying – from Albie saying, dude, have you got your, <laughs> your tips? Well, it, it got to the point where that we were both getting so bad at that he'd just have a group conversation with both of us saying, tips, yeah. boys, and we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> You must have been um, the, the two worst when it comes to putting your tips in on time. 100%. And it, literally, that is the reason. Because like, if it was up to me, I, I, I would just forget. I just completely forget. It's out of my brain. Um, and, you know, thank God he does send those re- uh, reminders because... I do actually enjoy when you're going well in those competitions and you're like, oh, you know, I had a perfect week and stuff like that. And I, you know, I've, I talk about it with you sometimes where I'll be like, oh, I've got a perfect week this week. But yeah, outside of that moment, 
it, it, it isn't in my brain. Yeah, I, to the way I used to always do footy tipping comps mm-hmm. um, is do every single tip for every single round all at the start of the year. Oh, really? All 24 and 25 rounds, just do it all. Spend spend like 10 minutes and go through the whole lot and just do the whole lot for the whole year and then just go, right, that's that done for the year. And how would you go? Um, About the same as what I would if I did took my time on it every week. Oh, really? Oh. I, I, got I don't drafted. know if that's not bad. <laughs> I remember when I was in a um, – I asked – I got told I was being put into a footy tipping comp when I was working down here in Melbourne. Yeah. And I thought, hey, all right, no worries. And then I went, oh, hang on, that's AFL. Yeah. So I went through and did that. I did the whole season, just spent five minutes just clicking teams. I didn't know who was going to win, so I was just picking random teams. Yeah. Ran second. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Finished second. That's brilliant. I remember my family used to do this big tipping competition, and uh, there was there was one year I won it, and the other person that was always right there, the person that I had to beat every single year, was my grandmother. She was really good at the tipping for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and then the per- the person in our family that was running it said something stupid that they shouldn't have said. And so I, I was like, well, fuck that prick. I'm taking over the tipping comp. And I, I started running the tipping comp. And my grandmother won it that year I won it. I ran it. So, yeah. I was going to say, this is, uh, that's how most coups start. Pretty much. Yeah. I know they wouldn't be listening, but fuck you, Dean. Fucking deep shit. <laughs> Balding arsehole. Uh, there you we go. can't it's go not... down this track. You know fucking Andrew, we cannot go down this track. <laughs> no, I was just staying quiet, just seeing how far you'd walk yourself down there. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, let's not walk down this track, because I'll get really fucking nasty with some people that deserve it. <laughs> Alrighty, well... Uh... <laughs> on that note is there anything else we need to address uh, is there anything else we need to address is everything else okay in your life <laughs> everything's great actually you know what I'm really looking forward to Christmas how about you yeah yeah Christmas yeah sure why not you're not a big Christmas person oh, I don't know Oh, I'll tell you what, the thing I love most about Christmas yeah. now is having a child. So you and so, do you enjoy seeing her excited about it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I make sure that you know, if she's excited about it, then I, I jump on board. Yeah, feed that excitement. Yeah, because um, you know, she's such a cute little happy thing. Yeah, she's it's awesome. Good, it's always good seeing the little ones so cute and happy all the time. Yeah, yeah. So. Do you, still, do you just put up, like, is your Christmas tree up? Um, it was supposed to be. Oh. Whoa, but, um, hang on a second. So you've got a so, okay, so tomorrow morning, right? Tomorrow morning, fuck off. <laughs> no, 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 I was just going to say, I hope she didn't listen to this episode. So tomorrow morning, you say, hey, hey, sweetheart, Christmas tree, where is it? Yeah, no, nah, that, that's, that's no. <laughs> no. No, no, no. Um, so I I said yesterday that uh, I'll when I get home on on Tuesday night yeah. we'll put up the Christmas tree yeah um and then I got home and cooked dinner and went yeah I I can't nah, forgot about it yeah <laughs> so 
I've got to do it tomorrow. How long does it take to put it up? Oh, fuck all. Probably, oh, really? probably 15 minutes or so. Okay. Because that's the thing. All I do is yeah. I I put the... Because it's one of those just, you know, one's in a box. It's not a real tree. Yeah. So I just got to piece the thing together and put it in there mm-hmm. and then wrap the lights around it. Mm-hmm. And then I walk away and just, just let the little one put decorations on it. Oh. She goes nuts. That yeah. keeps her occupied for a good two hours. Oh. That reminds me. I... I... I want to get some Christmas presents for you lot, and I know exactly what I'm getting her. <laughs> All right. And, and you've got no idea what it is, but when you say it, you're going to – I wouldn't be shocked if you actually texted me because people don't realize this. Like, you've got my number, but you don't text me. At, like, it's just not what we do. We just DM. I reckon you text me and go, you fucking bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing this might be based on um, a tweet I recently made. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Why does it tell people what we're talking about? Yeah. Um, my my daughter's uh, at her school. One of the boys had his birthday during the week. I think it might have actually been over the weekend. Yeah. So because we weren't here, um, they saved her a little. Um, no, gift bag. All the, all the kids that would attempt have got this little goodies bag. Mm-hmm. Inside the goodies bag was one of those plastic kids referees whistles. Yeah. My daughter goes, oh, look, a whistle, and then just proceeds to blow the living piss out of it. <laughs> Five metres from me, and I'm like, God damn. <laughs> oh, it almost broke the windows. And so she's wandering around with it, just whistling away. You know, happy as Larry. Whistle, whistle, whistle. It's going on crazy. It goes on for about an hour or two, and I'm like... I think I went onto Twitter and said, anybody who puts a whistle in there, I will personally take it around to you and return it via Uranus, courtesy of my boot. Yeah, and you know what? I read that and I thought, uh, I, I need to, first of all, buy a metal whistle. I need to put all of the shiny things, I need to stick shiny things onto it, and I need to put in like a little card that says, this is a special good luck fairy whistle that you always must blow to get good luck from and just <laughs> make it so it can't be disposed of. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that just means I'm going through the mail every day. <laughs> and when I find it, I'm just going to throw it in the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, it hasn't turned up, hasn't turned up. Yeah. Oh, shit. I might like the rain, it'll wash it out onto the ground. She goes, oh, look, a whistle on the ground. <laughs> a whistle. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, far out. That'd be so she can't say anything. She's so happy with it. You go, you, you don't want to be the prick that makes you... Yeah, it makes your child unhappy because you took yeah. a toy off her that she likes. So you just sit there and just persevere until you go deaf, and then you can't hear it. <laughs> every every time she, like, because every so often she'll jump on the podcast, say hello, or not the podcast, Skype, and say hello. And I'll be like, have you got the whistle? You should blow it. <laughs> she'll <laughs> run off and grab it. turn up. She'll run off and grab it. Like, it's, uh, write, write a little letter in it that says, if you blow it a million times, a fairy will do it. <laughs> <laughs> Fairy will come and give you three wishes. Have you ever got a Christmas uh, a Christmas gift that you know was probably annoying to other people? As in received one or gave yeah. one? Received, received one or gave one? Received one, no. Mm-hmm. I think I may have given one to a friend once who had two children. Mm-hmm. And I got on one of these toys, like it's a preschooler's toy. Mm-hmm. It was one of these cars and you press 
press lights on there and it just come up with siren noises. <laughs> <laughs> I gave him that and I bought like six packets of um these twenty four packs of AA batteries that I never <laughs> ran out. Jesus. <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, I've I've been in I've been in your shoes before in that regard. <laughs> I've been the prick. Yeah, so you're a prick too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's my nature. Can't help it. <laughs> that's great. But yeah, that's about it. How about you? I can't think of one that that stands out. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can't think of any that have been super annoying or anything like that. So, Don't work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Imagine getting somebody like. <laughs> imagine buying someone like a dog. Yeah, you know, could you imagine if I bought you a dog, <laughs> but it was like a little a, a puppy Rottweiler that grows into like a half horse, and it's like so so the little one just loves it, loves the puppy, and all you can think about is having to clean up after this fucking half horse every time it takes a dump out the back. The problem with the problem with getting a second pet here. Yeah. Which we've experienced once before. Yeah. Is the cat we've got will ruin it. Yeah. Yeah. We had another cat here for a while. Yeah. And this cat would, you know, it's a Bengal. Yeah. It just abused it until the other cat, it was a mess. It would just hide in the garage. It wouldn't come out. So we had to give it away to someone else who didn't have any pets. Yeah. And hope that that cat might be, you know, free of its fear. Yeah. Of, of a freaking tiger roaming around the house. Fucking tiger. <laughs> so, it's so weird when you hear it meow and it's like, oh. <laughs> Ow. Oh. It's female too and it makes that noise. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there we go. Um, I think that pretty much wraps it up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we might as well go through the end of episode spiel. Yada, yes. yada, yada. <laughs> Insert conversation here. Yeah, you know the drill, people. Yeah. We're on Instagram. We never put anything on there. So if someone wants to be our Instagram manager, let us know. <laughs> we should get an Instagram manager. That would be good. Someone yeah. that wants to be an influencer off our backs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's an yep. idea. The only way um, I know you become an influencer is if you wear like those, you know, those uh, workout tights. Oh, yes, yes, that's a That's, a that's basically all you do, yeah. And then go around to many to stay at hotels for free. Pretty much, pretty yeah. much. How many followers do you need to become an influencer? I saw an article, I think it was from the UK, and it had a number where if you had this certain number, then you were an influencer. And I can't remember what the number was, but I remember I qualified as an influencer by this number, just on how many Twitter followers I've got. And... I I was just disgusted with myself. Right. Well, we need to abuse that privilege. Yeah, and influence people. Yeah, like if you're an influencer, then we need to start essentially whoring you around to get free shit for our for the podcast. That'd be good to not yeah. just use it to get censored. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Gordon's coffee. <laughs> no, nothing like that. Nothing like that. Nothing like Because <laughs> people will know that you used to speak an awful lot on here about how much coffee you loved. Yeah. Yeah, mm. well, 
Coffee. And then Michael Golden got caught. We haven't heard you talk about coffee at all since then. Oh, it's because we fucking podcast at like 11.30 at night. If I was, <laughs> Although there have been a couple where I've said to you, man, I just had a coffee. <laughs> and you've known you're in for a fucking late one. Uh, yeah, I know. This one's going for three hours. Oh, you know what we should talk about before mm-hmm. we go? We watched that Grand Prix the other night together, and we both thought that Grosjean had been killed immediately. Yeah, God, that was... That was insane. Um, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, I think it was the Bahrain Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, on the first lap, Romain Grosjean, is, it looks like he's run over something that was on the road. And its I think it's impacted his steering because he's immediately gone to the right and he's cut off Daniel Kvyat and then just, he's in seventh gear. He's still going mm-hmm. up through the gears at the time. And then just as he's almost to the right-hand side of the field, you can see his hands try to you know, straighten the car up and go right, and the car doesn't respond. It just goes straight ahead, plows into this iron wall and hits it at an angle. The car splits in half. Half of it seems to go through the through the wall somehow and just burst into flames. And Grosjean is stuck inside the flames. You can't see him for a good 20, 30 seconds as he's getting himself out of the car and over the rail while it's in this intense heat. Mm. How he got out is a fucking, I don't know, I've never seen anything that insane. Yeah, and, like, we were watching it, and it was funny because, like, it was pretty late at that point. That race started really late, and uh, you actually had to get to sleep because you had work, and you were like, okay, let's just watch the start. We watched it together on, uh, I won't say that we watched it on Skype because that would be illegal. We watched nah, it on you, our own. You've, you've got KO, I've got Fox Sports, so we're just yeah, watching it that way. That way, yeah. And uh, it was when we saw that explosion of fire and like we were talking about, we've only really ever seen that once before since we've been watching Formula 1 and that was a pit lane incident with uh, with the fuel leak. Yeah, uh, just, just for stepping. Yep, yep, and that it was uh, insane to see that happen, and then, like, to see one half of the car is gone, and you know it's through the Armco, and there was just so many reasons why, like, I, I, if you look through all the crashes, the fatal crashes that have happened in Formula One, some like there's about five different scenarios where I've seen videos of drivers who have died, but they all occurred in that crash that we saw the other night. And he climbed yeah. out and he was all right. He climbed out and he had a limp. Yeah. His hands, apparently all that happened was his hands were burnt. He's got bruised bruised ribs, no fractures, and he's got a bit of a sore ankle. I heard that he's, one of his boots come off, his racing boots. Um, I, I read that one of those come off. Uh, I don't know if it was in the crash room trying to, I would guess it's him trying to get out and he's accidentally pulled one of his boots off. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and he ended up with a bit of a burn on his ankle, yeah. There is footage of him, uh, he did a, a video today, I think, and mm-hmm. he's in hospital at the moment, and he's got, his hands are bandaged up. Yeah. His face is completely fine, and when we saw him get out of that car, oh. the visor was melted. Yeah, and it, like his, the helmet was charred black yeah. on one side. And oh, it, it's... The thing that got me about the crash, too, was he went through that barrier and the Halo device saved his life. Like, I actually heard yeah. a, one of the uh, engineers said, like, he's alive because of the Halo. And 
but he took the battery and the fuel tank with him through the mm-hmm. the wall and it stayed with him so like the back end of his car was completely clean because the fuel tank is there leaking all around the cockpit yep. it was just um, there was so many reasons why he could have died in that crash and he should died. have died yeah yeah and he got out of there How and he didn't like get a concussion him. from it like yeah. If he had been knocked out, he was dead. Yeah, if he, like, I'm all saying this on the night, if he had have broken a wrist, you know, anything, yeah. he could have got his seatbelt off because he got all of that off not being able to see it because he was surrounded by flame. Mm-hmm. Um, Intense heat. There would have been next to no oxygen in there either. Mm-hmm. So he would have been slowly suffocating because the fire would have been taking all the oxygen um, and it was hot. You can see how white hot it was. I mean, we saw it melted some of the the wheel rim on one of the tires. Yeah, I uh, the the thing that I I'm just shocked even that you know he was up. I, I saw the the uh, case he was doing today. I think it was, and I think it was like late two hundreds in the case, like mm. it was two seventy k's or something. But because he did, he just touched six uh, seventh gear, um, and just the 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 inertial stop from going that quick and he hits that barrier and he stopped within the space of like four, like at four feet at most yeah to a dead stop and i i just can't believe that alone didn't kill him absolute absolute miracle that he mm. survived that mm-hmm. um then we'll treat it to some uh to a second crash when the when the race restarted <laughs> when Lance Stroll tried to, you know, completely cut off a driver on the inside of a corner. It was Kvyat again. Kvyat, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He would have seen Kvyat because Kvyat was right beside him pretty much as he was going into the corner and mm. Stroll tried to cut him off, as all Formula 1 drivers do. And his rear wheels run up Kvyat's front wheel and it's just tipped him over on his lid. He just slid off the track on the, on the roof of his car. Just and he's had to, he had to wriggle himself out. And just making an F1 car somehow look awkward. He made it look like an absolute parody. Yeah. Like, oh, look, the clown cars arrived. <laughs> you know what it looked like? It looked like, um, you know, in the old F1 games when they started to allow cars to flip over, but because they didn't put any time or effort into the physics of it, it just sort of looked all awkward. It looked exactly like that. It did. It was all, it was all just very slow and clumsy, mm. and you're just like, What? It just didn't look cool at all. And I'd add to that, the car was bright pink. <laughs> and the thing is, he probably looked like he got more damage to his halo than what Grosjean had on his, and Grosjean was on fire and went through steel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, true. That's very true. Madness. Um, so there's a bit of inside news for everyone. Mm. We actually, we're actually uh, Formula One fans. Yeah, have been for forever, really, haven't mm. we? Yep, and we did uh, we did we did all of that after the last episode of the podcast that we put out. Yeah, so we were most Sunday nights we put out a podcast. We usually do it um, before a Formula One race, or we don't do it much Formula One instead. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> been a couple of them, eh? There's been a few. Been a few. I think there's only two races left this year. Um, gee, Lewis Hamilton won't be in the next one because he's got COVID. Yeah, I saw that. It, apparently, he. 
I don't know if he got it going, if they tested him at the race or after it, but yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if they're going to put a second driver in the other Mercedes. Yeah. He's already won. He's already won the title. They've already got the constructors' championship. They could just forfeit the race. Can you imagine if he needed to just like say here because it's twenty five points for a win? Imagine mm. if he had a twenty point lead over his teammate, and he he lost the title because of COVID. That would be extraordinary. Oh. That'd be nasty. I th- I think they would cover it up and let him race. Hey. Eh? I think they'd say, oh, for, for some unknown reasons, we need to delay the last race for one week. Oh, really? And then he'd be able to to drive then. Okay. That's what would happen. Because they'd want the ratings for, you know, for the championship race, last race of the year, they'd want those ratings. True. True. It's, uh... Man, we didn't end up getting, seeing the end of that race, by the way. Apparently, it did it end under safety car or something, I heard. I have no idea. I feel like I heard that it ended like under safety car for some reason, and it was a it was a weird ending to it or something like that. I just looked at the end result and saw Hamilton, but I went, "Ah, oh, it must have been a bit of procession." Yeah, it started to get to be that procession. That's why we stopped watching it. Yeah, and it was like nearly what four o'clock or something. No, it was it was uh, just on three a.m. and I had uh, to get up. Yeah. I had to get up in four hours' time. <laughs> it was all good. Yeah. <laughs> it was all good. Alrighty. Well, uh, where were we? Instagram. Yes. Instagram and Twitter. You can follow us on there, Fergo Freak Pod. Um, we keep meaning to do stuff on Instagram, and we keep not doing anything on there. Um, <laughs> but check us out on there anyway, because one day we will do something on there. And it'll be cool. Yeah. But there are some stuff on there, so you can go in there and check it out and have a, a minor giggle for three or four seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, we're on LinkedIn. Yeah, we're LinkedIn. Not- we should put a job app up on there. Yeah. Do you want to run our Instagram? Yeah. No pay. <laughs> we would probably be offered that job ourselves on on fucking LinkedIn. Pretty much. <laughs> we'll be the only people who it says that we'd be good for that job. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we're over there. Uh, we're on YouTube, obviously, Facebook. So you can check us out on those two as well. That's about it. Check us out on the website, fergonthefreak.com. Yeah, go there, go to the contact section, leave us an email, and we'll read it out. This has been a rather loose ending to the episode. It has been, yeah. Hey, by the way, if you want to get your company uh, a lot of airtime on this podcast, get in touch with us through the website, and uh, we'll work out a sponsorship deal where you can get you advertise your company on the Fergo and the Freak podcast. We do live reads at the start and the end. You know how it all it works. We've been doing it for months and months and months now. We've had a great relationship with manscaped.com. We thank them for their time. Um, and, yeah, we run to the end of that deal that we had with Manscaped. And now so we're looking for a, a new sponsor. So if you've got a company, it doesn't matter what type of company it is, get in touch with us and we'll try and work something out. And we will flog your stuff for the best live reads you'll ever get. Yeah, definitely. And we like we when we when we got in touch with me or Manscaped got in touch with us and and they were talking about like, do you want us to send you? A, they said we can send you a script, but if you feel as though you can do it yourselves, you can just do it yourselves. And and we asked them like, do you want us to inject heaps of humor and stuff into it? And they were like, yes, we definitely want that. So if you want a more 
um, serious ad read. We, we we can do that, obviously. So I don't think we, you know, we're super loose with it all. Um, we'll we'll fit in with what you need. So yeah, get in touch if you want to advertise on here. Yeah, and there's like thirty five episodes a week, so you know, get your money's worth. Yeah, and look, everyone knew the Manscaped one. We did really good for Manscaped, so yeah. we can do that for the next company that comes along. It'll be good fun. Yeah, you listening, Oporto? Exactly, Oporto. Uh, you know what? If if I just saved my money for Oporto and we just split that, we'd be rich, dude. That's true. That's true. This podcast will be paying for itself. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All righty. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We will catch you all next time.